Thank you for watching today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, scan the QR code right here on your screen. You can also find them on our app. When we worship, it sets an atmosphere for miracles to happen. Praise can change attitudes of those around us and help us get us out of a funk. It opens the door for God to work. Today, Pastor Duane is explaining the importance and the application of miraculous praise. And today, I want to talk to you. We're going to see how far I get, but I'm going to try to talk to you about preparing for a miracle. Or we could even say how to prepare for a miracle. I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 3. Uh, kind of the, uh, the setup here is that the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom... They've gotten together, and they're going against the king of Moab. Now, the king of Israel is Jehoram. Now, the Bible says about him that he's evil, that he, he was not a man of God. And then you've got the king of Israel, who is Jehoshaphat, one of the most godly of all kings. So it says in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9, So the king of Israel with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on a roundabout route seven days. They're going through the desert and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. This, this, this guy is so typical. So often when we have problems, we are just like, well, God sent these problems. This is what God wants. This is God's will. God wants our destruction. God wants us to suffer. God wants this without ever realizing today that there is an enemy. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 19, for we know positively that we're of God and the whole world around us is under the power, the control, the sway of the evil one. We need to recognize that there is an enemy of your soul. In 1 Peter excuse me, 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And let me say this, who does he devour? He devours people that are ignorant. He devours people that open the door for him. And he devours people that ignore him. Did you catch that? He devours those that ignore him. So the next verse says, resist him steadfast in the faith. It said, we are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. There is an enemy. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy, but against principalities and powers. It's Satan and demonic spirits that are opposing us. So the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But if you think everything that happens to you comes from God, you're never going to resist the devil. And if that's the case, you will never have the victory that God wants you to walk in. The, the promised land that the children of Israel went into is not a type of heaven. It's a type of a victorious Christian life. When they got to the promised land, they couldn't just walk in. They had to go in, fight battles, and take possession. There were seven nations. There were walled cities. There were giants. 
There were iron chariots and they had to go in and take possession of the land. They had to go in and resist and fight the enemy. And that is a picture of a victorious Christian life. You will not just have God's best fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. And to think that everything that's coming your way is from God, well, you're deceived. You are deceived. We know positively we're of God, but the whole world is under the power, the sway, the control of the wicked one. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. All who were oppressed of who? The devil. But if you think God sent it, well, then you should embrace it. You say, God, thank you. In fact, why go to a doctor and get help? Just, just suffer all you can, get all the benefit possible. In fact, pray for your friends to get some. But it didn't come from God. The Bible said they were oppressed of the, the devil. Jesus said the thief, the devil, he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So we can, we can call this verse the great divide. If it kills, steals, and destroys, it didn't come from God. James said the same thing, James 1. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. And wherever the Bible tells us not to be deceived, it's where we are the most deceived. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. If it's good, if it's perfect, it's from God. If not, well, then it simply is not from God. So the king of, of Israel just said, oh, it's God. This is what's going to happen. Nothing we can do. But Jehoshaphat had a different doctrine. So Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? And, and let me just say this. The first place we should always go is God. That should not be the last place. It should be the first place. Um, the Bible talks about King Asa. And it says in the 39th year of his reign, he became diseased in his feet. And his mental was severe. Yet in his disease, he didn't seek the Lord but the physicians. Now there's, I'm going to say this, doctors are good. Doctors are great, right? We are all for doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, half of us would be dead. But how I many you know that's not where you're supposed to go first? The first place we're supposed to go is the Lord. In fact, the Bible mentions, where did he go? He just went to the physicians and not to the Lord. So, Jehoshaphat says, hey, let's inquire of the Lord. And by the way, for you and I to inquire of the Lord, so often we're waiting, you know, for somebody to give us a prophecy, for some voice to come. But where God's going to speak to you from is the Bible. The Bible is God's word speaking to you and to me. In fact, the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Everything. The first place we should go is the Lord. And, and, and speaking of prayer, um, there, there's a, well, we've talked about kinds of prayer, but I want to talk about something different just a second. There, there are really, I would call this levels of prayer. 80% of all the prayers that Christian pray, I believe, 
are what I would call problem prayers. I got this problem, God, help me with this problem. Nothing wrong with that, all right? But, but let's not stop there. Then there's about 10% of our prayers that are about our family. <laughs> God, help my wife, change her, you know. No. <laughs> Hopefully that's not it. <laughs> but we're, we're praying about our family situation. And, and then there's probably another like 10% that goes into all the other types of prayer. Or I should say types, levels of prayer. It, one would be praying about yourself. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Lord, look and see if there's any wicked way within me. You know, the inner prayers. And then there's prayers about ministry. Uh, praying for a service. Praying for your pastors. There's intercession. Standing in the gap for somebody else. And then I would say there, there's praying for God. I think this is the, really one of the highest types of prayer. You know, Jesus said to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. In other words, this is a prayer that God wants prayed. It's not one that we come up with. It's one that God comes up with. How many of you know it's good to be an answer to prayer? And this is really like being an answer to God's prayer, praying for God to send labors into the harvest. And then prayers of praise and worship. So there's like different levels of prayer. And we need to go beyond that, that, the levels of prayer where it's just us, in our family, kind of like, Lord, bless me, my wife, our son, his wife, us four, no more, Acts 2-4. You know, I mean, that's kind of like a lot of people's prayers. It's just, you know, just the, the problems in us. Our prayers need to go way beyond that. So Jehoshaphat says, hey, let's inquire of the Lord. So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Saphath, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. So Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord's with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now, I think this is interesting. Uh, Elisha was really kind of, how could you say? He was the butler to, the, to Elijah, the prophet. And he was with Elijah. But you know what they said? They said he poured water on his hands. You, you said, what does that mean? Well, they didn't have a faucet you'd go to. And so you would have somebody that was near you that would take the water and they'd pour it out over your hands for you. This person that kind of takes care of you like a butler. So here we have Elisha, who has been a servant to Elijah. And I love what Jehoshaphat said. He said, the word of the Lord is with him. Listen, the anointing that you serve gets on you. The anointing you serve gets on you. Now, you can serve it literally with service like Elisha did. You can serve it with prayer, with, 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 with support, doing things. But the anointing that's on the person that you serve or the house, the church that you serve, it gets on you. The revelation of the house that you serve gets on you. And, and Jehoshaphat is recognizing the anointing that was on Elijah now rests on his servant, Elisha. And Elisha said, they go down to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, I love this. What, I, what do I have to do with you? Get, <laughs> get thee to the prophets of thy father and the prophets of your mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, no. He says, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. He's still got that doctrine. God's against us and God's going to deliver us unto our enemies. So Elisha said, 
as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. Surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I will not look towards you nor see you. So he is saying to Jehoram, I wouldn't even talk to you if it wasn't for the presence of this godly king, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And literally, Judah means praise. It's like the king of praise. Jehoram is the son of Ahab. Now, this is what the Bible says about Ahab. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Now, I, I, let me just talk to, to all you spouses, men or women. We need to be stirring up our spouse, our family, in the things of God. But we have Jezebel who stirred up her husband to do wickedness, to turn away from the Lord. But I think it's interesting. Nobody was as wicked as Ahab. And the reason he was so wicked was because his wife was stirring him up. I want to say the reason I'm a man of God is because my wife stirs me up. My wife is stirring me up. And that's the type of spouse every one of us need to be. One that is stirring our spouse and our family up. The Bible, God said about Abraham way back in Genesis 18, I know him, all right, that he's going to command his household after him to follow the Lord. Right? That's the type of people we need to be. So he says, I wouldn't even see you, Jehoram, if it wasn't for this godly man that happened to be there. Now, what he does next creates an atmosphere for, mir for, for, for miracles, for the supernatural. And he says, bring me a musician, a minstrel. Bring me a minstrel. So here's what's been happening. I think this is interesting. In the chapter before this, there's a bunch of young people that start to mock Elisha. And they're mocking him. And they say, go up, O Baldy, go up. And literally, they're mocking him because of his mentor, Elijah the Spirit of God would come on Elijah and pick him up and take him to a different place. And they're mocking him. And the Bible says, oh, this is, this is crazy. The Bible says that two she-bears came out of the woods and attacked those young men and mauled 42 of them. Now, notice it says she-bears. You say, why was it she-bears? Because she-bears are meaner than he-bears. That's why they're she-bears. <laughs> How many of you have heard the saying, don't get between a she-bear and her cubs? And because she will tear you up. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of the mode. That, that's the thing that happened right before this. And, and the prophet really needs to get out. How can we say it? Get out of thinking about what's been happening and needs to get focused on the Lord. And what does he say to have happen? He says, now, now bring me a musician, a minstrel, someone who's anointed by God. And we're going to, he's going to begin to play. And when he begins to play, that praise and that worship is going to open the door for the supernatural. And that is exactly what happens. Uh, music is so much more important. Praise and worship is so much more important than I think any of us know. In fact, if you look over in Ezekiel chapter 28, you find literally it's a description of Satan. It says, you were in Eden. 
the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardix, the bonyx, the dime of the burl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you in the day you were created. Now, this is a created being. This being was not born. This being was created. You were the anointed cherub who covers it, cherub angel. This is a description of Satan. And notice it says the workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you. Literally, Satan, most scholars believe this, that the musical instruments are actually part of his physical body. But if they're not part of his physical body, it's definitely his strong suit is music. In the day he was created, the timbrels and the pipes, like the organs, the pipe organs, was prepared for him. So Satan uses music because he understands the power of music, that it sets an atmosphere. Uh, how many of you have been in an elevator and they got that nice, soft music? The dentist's office, I need it. But you know what they're doing? They're setting the mood. They're setting an atmosphere. Now, when King Saul is oppressed by an evil spirit, they bring in David, who begins to play a harp and to sing. And when he does, the atmosphere changes and the presence of God comes in to such a degree. The Bible says that the evil spirit departs from him. That, that, that music sets an atmosphere. In uh, the book of Daniel, we find the king, Nebuchadnezzar, says he builds an image 90 feet tall. And he gets everybody together and he says, now, I want you to worship my image. And when you hear the sound, and he mentions all the musical instruments that are going to be played. And he says, now, when you hear the sound of that music, he said, you fall down and you worship. What is happening? He's creating an atmosphere. And when we begin to worship God, it creates an atmosphere, an atmosphere for miracles. And Elijah understood that. And so he said, you bring me that minstrel. And the Bible says when that minstrel began to play, that is when the hand of the Lord came upon him and he receives the word of the Lord. So praise and worship changes an atmosphere, and it sets the stage for miracles. It sets the stage. The Bible says that God is enthroned in the praises of Israel. He's enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now, when Jehoshaphat later is being attacked by three different, three different nations are coming against him. And he finds out about it, and in 24 hours, the enemy is going to be at his doorstep when he finds out. And it says in 2 Chronicles 20, when he had consulted with the people, first of all, they get together, they pray, they're fasting, they're seeking God. And he consults with the people, and he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, those who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, I have no doubt that Jehoshaphat learned something when he was with Elisha. He learned that that musician, that minstrel, in praising and worshiping God, 
sets the atmosphere for a miracle. And now when he's facing an impossible situation with three enemy armies at his doorstep, he says, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to attack the enemy with praise. We're going to put the choir in front of the green berets and the Navy SEALs. The choir's going first and they're going to praise the Lord. And the Bible says, and when they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. God set ambushes against the enemy and confused the enemy, and the enemy literally took themselves out. The Bible says this in Hebrews 13. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, notice it's the sacrifice of praise. And why is it the sacrifice? Because it's when you don't feel like it. Right? When you don't feel like it is when you need to probably be praising more than any other time. You know, Paul and Silas are thrown in prison in Acts chapter 16. They've been beaten their backs are bleeding. Their hands and their feet are in stocks. They're in a dungeon and it's midnight. Now, literally, it was midnight. But I believe that it's also talking about a midnight hour, the time when things look the darkest. And the Bible says they begin to sing praises to God. And they weren't quiet because the Bible says the other prisoners heard them. And when they're praising God, the Bible says that jail begins to shake. Now, I think it's interesting. They thought they'd really taken care of these guys. They beat them. They were bleeding. They had their hands in stocks. They had their feet in chains. And they thought nothing these guys could do. But they forgot the duct tape because they didn't do anything to their mouth because it was their mouth that was going to get them out of that situation. If they begin to praise, they set an atmosphere for a miracle. And a miracle took place. That place shook, and the Bible says every chain fell off, and every door was open. I believe that that's a picture of what can happen to you and to me. The bondages, the chains that have us are broken when we begin to praise. In Psalms 61, it talks about the anointing that's on Jesus, but it's on the church. And it says to give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness, it's an Old Testament way of saying depression. It says the way you get depression off you is with praise and worship. You, you need to begin to, to lift up those hands and begin to do some praising. I love what David said. David said, I'll praise him with an instrument of 10 strings. Yeah, you look, there's never been one. There's never been an instrument of 10 strings. But I think he's talking about these right here. You're lifting up holy hands and you begin to praise him. And in fact, Paul said, I would that men everywhere, that they would lift holy hands when they pray without doubt and without wrath. We begin to lift our hands. We begin to praise and it sets an atmosphere. So he said, now bring me a musician. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. When you and I begin to praise, when we begin to worship, 
I believe the hand of the Lord, the anointing of God comes on us. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley, valley full of ditches. Now they're out in a desert. For thus said the Lord, you will not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet this valley shall be filled with water so that you and your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. I think it's interesting. They dug ditches. And when they dug ditches, God filled them with water. And once again, God filled the ditches they dug with water. In a real way, the, the miracle that we receive is based on the faith that we have in what we do. That woman who, who received the miracle pouring oil, the oil poured until every vessel was full. God filled every ditch that they dug. But when they began to obey the word of the Lord, God filled the ditches. The enemy saw that water in the wilderness. And as the sun came up, it looked red and they thought it was blood. They thought that the, the Israelites had killed each other and they went down running into an ambush and they were completely defeated. I love what it says. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. You know, when you and I begin to praise God, that's when we set the atmosphere. That's when God begins to speak to us. When we set that atmosphere through praise and worship. Um, some of you don't know this, but this church was began in 1967. Now, there was a couple of things that were happening in 1967. There was the Jesus movement that really began in 1967 out in California, right, that came across the country. But in 1967, probably one of the most significant prophecies, Bible prophecies, was fulfilled. Jesus said that Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles was fulfilled. In June of 1967, in the Six-Day War, for the first time in almost 2,000 years, the Jewish people got control of the city of Jerusalem. It's often said you can look at Israel and tell what God's doing in the earth. When God's moving in Israel, God's moving in the earth. And this is what I, I believe. I believe that this church came into being in a move of God and that God has got his hand on this church and we are to be a place of praise and worship. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My, I will, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, when you begin to praise, it affects other people. Now, let me close with this. In, in the book of Ezra, he's gone to, to, to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And the Bible says they put down the foundation of the temple. Now, the temple is not rebuilt. They just lay the foundation. And it says they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he's good, for his mercy endures forever towards Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout. And then they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They didn't wait until the job was finished. They began to praise immediately when just the foundation of that temple was laid. So often you and I, we want to wait till everything happens. But the way the kingdom of God works 
Jesus said, first there's a blade, then there's a stalk, and then there's the full blade in the ear, right? It's progressive. It's progressive. In fact, it says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Not instantaneous. They will what? Recover. It's a process, right? But what we need to do is we need to begin to praise him immediately. Not when it's complete, but when the foundation is laid. When we just see the blade, we haven't seen the stalk. We haven't seen the full corn in the ear. You just see the blade and it's time to stand up and to begin to praise. In fact, I want every Baptist, every Catholic, every Lutheran, every reformed person, every Presbyterian, I want you to stand up right now, lift your hands up and begin to give him praise. Begin to thank him because his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Lord, we worship you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for redemption. We thank you, Lord, that you're moving, that lost family members are coming back to Christ, that chains are broken in Jesus' name. Addictions fall off in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, would you be seated for just a moment? Every head bowed, every eye closed. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 says this, for he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Those of us that are alive, we're not to live for ourselves. We're to live for the one who died for us and rose again. See, so often we think all I need to do is believe. Just believe that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose again. No, 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 no. You need to receive him. The Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. And we receive him, not just as our savior, but as our Lord. So that we're going to live for him and not live for ourselves. Say, I wanna thank you for being on the program with me. Do you know the Bible says that we should know that we have everlasting life. Many people simply assume, well, I know about God and I'm right with God. And I hope when I die, I'm gonna go to heaven. But the Bible says, know that you have. You need to know you're forgiven, know you're right with God. You say, how can I do that? Because God can't lie. He said, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're away from God today, or you don't know where you stand with God, and you say, I wanna be right with God today. I want to pray this prayer with you. I want to call on the name of the Lord the way the Bible tells us to. And the Bible says, we'll be saved. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer from your heart out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. He is my King. Jesus is my Lord. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. 
I'm right with God. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God heard that prayer if you prayed that prayer from your heart, and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you free of charge. Now, there's information on your screen. You can download that book free of charge, or you contact us, and we will give it to you free of charge. We want to be a blessing to you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. We love you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life, and we are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is changing lives all over the world with the truth of God's Word. If you'd like to become a partner with us, we have three easy ways you can give. One, text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv give. And three, click on the giving icon in our app. When you choose to sow a seed into the kingdom of God, that money might leave your hand, but the blessing that comes from it will stay with you for eternity. We would love to connect with you. Scan the code on your screen with your smartphone. From there, you can follow us on your favorite platform, download our app, become a partner, and much more. I pray you have a miraculous week, and we'll see you next time.